Welcome to Miranda Warnings Roundtable, discussing legal issues and current events. I'm joined on the roundtable by Liz Benjamin and Professor Vin Bonventry. Liz is the Managing Director at Marathon Strategies, a public relations and communications firm, and former host of Capital Tonight, a political and policy show focusing on New York State politics. And Professor Vin Bonventry, Distinguished Professor of Law at Albany Law School and publisher of the New York Court Watcher, devoted to commenting on the U.S. Supreme Court and the New York State Court of Appeals. This week on Miranda Warnings Roundtable, we're going to discuss the U.S. Supreme Court preview. We've got Vin and Liz, as always. Welcome both. Great to be here. Great to have you. So, We've talked a lot about the last Supreme Court term, and I guess I want to start this off uh, with both of you. Do you think we're going to continue to see the break with precedent that we saw last term, or do you think we'll get back to something closer to normal in this court? There is no normal with this court. There's is it no closer normal. to normal? No, there's is is it, the we're going normal, in the as much other as direction. So cliched, but you know, this was a break from. The, appro- the approach to measured movement by the chief justice and the conservatives, you know, are having their way. I have, don't think they have any intention of going backwards. I think we'll see more of the same and they'll be stretching the envelope further. I, I can't imagine why they would all of a sudden have a change of heart. Yeah, I think certainly uh, church's state cases and uh, affirmative action cases we're, we're going to see some overruling, whether they oh, yeah. call it overruling or not. We're going we're going to see that. Yeah, I do want to say, though, I don't think it's helpful for Biden to be like, oh, this court. I mean, he he's adopted the same rhetoric that you used to hear from people who didn't like the liberal court. Oh, this court is, you know, making precedent. It's advocate on the and not justices. There's no jurisprudence, blah, blah, whatever. I mean, that's not helpful. If you really have a problem, you know, change the, the Democrats have been talking about it forever. I'm not endorsing it, but change the makeup, like to add more seats, like if you have but, a real problem. But but don't you think, I mean, perhaps it was clumsy the way he articulated it, but it is different that the court is just voting repeatedly. The Republicans on one side, the Democrats on the other. That That is kind of different. That's different than just saying, well, I don't like this particular decision. I don't like that particular decision. I mean, the fact of the matter is um, the justices on this court, they're just not behaving like we expect judges to behave. They're well, behaving they're like partisan politicians. Which is exactly what we expected from these particular justices. From them, sure. Well, you know, so, when you have when you have rep- uh, presidents who repeatedly, repeatedly are pandering to the base of their party, and so you have the, lib- the Democratic presidents putting just liberal ideologues on the court, you have Republican presidents putting conservative ideologues. This is what you get. I'm just, I just think it sounds a little like sour grapes. That's all. I mean, and, and also it's a little bit like whining because there's but nothing that you can do to change the, the, the current situation except potentially 
increase the number of seats on the court. But if what Vin just said holds true and we're continuing in the same pattern of putting ideologues on the court, then that's not actually going to help anything. Then you just have more liberal ideologues voting along with the liberals. And then subsequently the Republicans get into power and they increase the number of seats on the court. And it's just a vicious cycle. I think it goes beyond sour grapes. It's not just the fact that someone might disagree with a, a decision. It's the fact that in the last term, long-standing precedent has just been upended. That's not what the president said, though, just to be clear. No, the the president said that the Supreme Court has turned into an advocacy group. Yeah. And, you know, to to Vin's point, I mean, that's just, he's he's a politician. That's partisan politics. He's, He's feeding his base. But we're not politicians. And, and I feel like what is happening at the Supreme Court is more than just, oh, I didn't like that decision. It's a change in the in the whole institution where precedent is doesn't matter. And that's why I asked the first question was, are we going to care about precedent in this term or are we just going to is it just going to be a a purely political? We have the votes. We're going to do whatever we want. Probably the latter. Probably almost certainly the latter, other than other than the chief justice, purely the latter. And, you know, we're going to uh, and don't forget on the other side, we're going to have the uh, Democratic appointees. They're going to be dissenting all the time. The Republic is falling apart because they don't happen to like, you know, what the majority is uh, is deciding. Now, look, can can we just be real? These are close cases Mm. In, in virtually all of these cases. It can be argued very legitimately for either side to win. Right. Um, The problem, one of the problems, which goes back to you have ideologues on both sides. Everybody is so darn certain that their particular resolution is the correct one and the only correct one. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. But close cases, isn't that the whole reason that a case ends up at the same? Thank you. And and by close case, we mean there are good arguments on both sides. Good argument. Right. So what you're saying, sides. are you really saying that the justices are so ideological at this point that they are rejecting out of hand the possibility of anything that might be legitimate on the other side? And if that's even the case, why are they bothering to hear oral arguments? Well, that's exactly what Alito did. And that's exactly what Alito did in the Dobbs case. In the Dobbs case, I mean, he absolutely dismissed the notion that there was some fundamental right to bodily autonomy, which is an ancient right, which is a right which has been recognized over and over and over again in American jurisprudence by courts all around the country. He dismissed it in one or two lines. I mean, that's the basis. I know that we're talking about the Supreme Court here, but what is interesting is that the subsequent fallout at at lower courts across the nation, and not to mention voters, which of course we're not discussing here, like the Kansas dis- the decision, et cetera. But you have Arizona and Ohio, you've got lower court justices that are blocking at all out bans. I mean, this is hardly a settled issue. If we end up with- No, 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 it's not, so, you're absolutely right. This is not, we're, we're gonna, gonna see- get back here again. And maybe, maybe, I mean, we have seen in the past, I don't know. Hope springs eternal, of course, but I don't really believe that this is possible. But you have seen in the past justices who were named to the court. It's a lifetime appointment. Expectation is that they're going to do one thing and over time they change to do something else. So maybe some of these folks will temper their outlook. Maybe you will have a Gorsuch or, you know, somebody become mellower with age. (laughs) 
Right. And well, not only that, I mean, a decision like in Dobbs is a very, very narrow one. I'm sorry, liberals, but, and I'm one of them, but I'm sorry, but it's a very narrow decision. It is simply decisions, and I think it's totally wrong, but they're saying that there is no federal constitutional right of a woman to choose an abortion. That's it. They're not saying there, there can be no abortions. They're not saying that every single abortion restriction makes sense, is legitimate, is constitutional. There is little doubt in my mind that there will be other cases coming before the Supreme Court where a state has just gone way, way, way overboard and put restrictions on a woman's right to choose an abortion. And the Supreme Court, you're going to have the three liberals and you're probably going to have uh, the chief justice and Kavanaugh saying, well, these restrictions are just arbitrary. They're just not legitimate at all. There's just no government interest involved here. But there's no, there's no such, there's no case, at least in this term. So let's talk about some of the cases that we've got coming up. One that we, that might fall into the realm of, are you going to, are you going to broaden this type of, uh, this type of analysis uh, is the 303 creative case, a religious liberty and free expression case out of uh, Colorado uh, where there's uh, a ban on, uh, discrimination based upon uh, sexual orientation, and uh, this this kind of case has come up come up before, yes. come up to the Supreme Court where they said no, you can't discriminate based upon sexual orientation. It's been decided, and so how is this case now? How is this different? Why is it going back to the Supreme Court? Well, this this kid. It kind of has, but has not been decided. The bake shop case, right? Masterpiece bake shop case uh, several years ago, where you have the same Colorado civil rights law, which prohibits discrimination uh, in public accommodations on the basis of sexual orientation. The, the baker complained on religious grounds, did not want to create a cake for a, to celebrate a same-sex wedding. When the case got up to the United States Supreme Court, the Supreme Court reversed in favor of the Baker, but at that time, writing the majority was Anthony Kennedy, who has always been in the vanguard of LGBTQ rights. And he said, we are not saying that businesses are allowed to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. What we are saying is that Colorado never gave the baker a fair hearing. Instead, at least the facts at the Supreme Court, they called him a Nazi. They said people like you are responsible for the Holocaust. So the Supreme Court sent the case back, right? There was a fair hearing. Colorado stuck to its guns, said you're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation, and the Supreme Court refused to hear the case again. But Ginsburg is gone. Anthony Kennedy is gone, right? These people are gone. What you have left is you still have Gorsuch, and you know what Gorsuch said in the bake shop case? Oh, this case is a nothing burger because the baker didn't even discriminate against the same-sex couple. The baker wouldn't create a same-sex cake 
for an opposite sex couple or a same sex couple. So he wasn't discriminating. Yeah, Liz is giving that look. Well, look, I didn't appoint Gorsuch. That logic, and I think that logic most, pattern, that is not even a lot. He did. And I think yeah. he's the most, no, no, that was the argument that used to be used um, in favor of anti-miscegenation laws, that is to support oh, the prohibitions against so, same-sex marriage. They would say there's no discrimination David, here. Everybody's got to marry within their same race. David, so that, what is, but the fact pattern of this particular case is not the same. It's well, not the same. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, it's similar, though. The case is but, similar. They don't want to they don't want to provide services. You have the same public accommodations law prohibiting um, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. you got this website creator who does not want to create a website for a same sex wedding and mm -hmm. is claiming it's against my religion. And also it's against my freedom of speech. So, but didn't I don't we already want have... to express support. But didn't we have a, a, a preview, a little sneak peek under the curtain here when we, again, I mean, I feel like we're going to be talking about Dobbs, 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 Dobbs. It's going to get like, you know, to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, a meme, if you will, a tiresome meme. But there was, there is now the fear because the door has been opened to the possibility that we're going to erode we're going to erode all sorts of things. We're going to erode privacy within the home when it comes to sexual yes. Um, yes. behavior. We're going to erode rights uh, up for LGBTQ individuals when it comes to marriage. I mean, so this, if you believe yes. that preview, then yes. subsequently we can foresee that this case will be treated differently than the, the cake case. Yeah, if the, if the court is serious about what it argued in the Dobbs case, then this becomes an easy case because homosexual sodomy is nowhere mentioned in the constitution right. and homosexual sodomy in the history and tradition of this nation has been criminalized, right? So there you go. So there's, there's freedom of speech and freedom of religion on one side and there's no constitutional right on the other. I should there point out go. that the New York State Bar Association has filed an, an amicus in this yeah. case in support of the uh, the Colorado yeah. uh, laws. Law. In support so, of the law, not hopefully, in support of the, right. Hopefully. Well, you got the three libs, so you know the way they're going to vote. The yeah, but the question is, where does Gorsuch, Gorsuch go? Because he was the one who was like, well, this is not, that's not what we're saying here. And we're not actually talking about the erosion of every right that's be, as getting back to the narrowness of the decision. You're talking about In, Dobbs, right? Yeah. That was that was Kavanaugh, right? Was that was saying, Kavanaugh. Oh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, sorry, not Gorsuch. Yeah, that, yeah this is, it's only for this case. It's only because right. it involves an unborn child and all other instances of precedent we will uphold. Right. Maybe. And, we'll and see. actually, we'll talking see. of Gorsuch in the Bostic case, where for the majority of the court, he construed the civil rights law of 1964, where sex discrimination was prohibited. He said sex discrimination necessarily includes sexual orientation discrimination. Remember, he did that. And but he said, we are not talking about sexual orientation discrimination when it is a matter of religion, when it is a matter of religion. He is very, very much uh, protective of free exercise of religion 
and religious objections, especially when it has to do with LGBTQ persons on the other side? Well, we've got a number of uh, very important cases that are yes. coming up uh, before the Supreme Court. Let's talk about, I know, uh, the affirmative action uh, cases. This the, case, or rather, students for fair admissions versus Harvard and Harvard. Yes. Yeah. Students so for fair admissions are the plaintiffs. Right. So what's interesting about these to me is there's already discussion about the potential way to get around the, expe the expectation of the decision. So, you know, race-based admissions is what's being challenged here. But in order to maximize diversification of college classes, which, by the way, I mean, we could have a whole other discussion about higher ed being in crisis and the enrollment uh, numbers tanking. And certainly the affirmative action question is not going to help matters for people, but it's that's it's more of an affordability question. But let's However, just let's just say let's just give a just what the case is about. Right. So those schools look at uh, the ethnicity of the person as part of the decision-making in right. the admission right. process. That's right. And, and the, the argument is that that should not be permitted, not that they're required to do it, but that they can't do it even if yeah. they want to. Yep. Is what they're saying. But they're, I guess what they're saying, what other people, what, what colleges are saying now is, well, there's other ways to do that. You could do, for example, and I, in other words, what I'm trying to say is just like Dobbs, because you're seeing this issue now bubble up in different areas, this is not going to be a settled matter because you'll see things like automatic enrollment, for example, of a certain percentage of every high school that's a high schooler that's eligible across the country. The top tier would be automatically enrolled in a certain um, cadre of schools. That's one way to address uh, diversity issues. And, you know, some people may challenge that as well. So I just don't think that it's going to be a settled matter, regardless of how the court acts on this particular, on these two particular cases. Well, this is another case where as recently as 2016 in University of Texas versus Fisher, it was held that such a standard for a college was permissible. So six years ago, well, this uh, has been going on. It doesn't on. look anything like what it looked like six years ago. Yeah. And th this has been going on since, uh, you know, the Bakke decision years and years ago when Lewis Powell was on the court and he wrote the concurring opinion saying you can't have a quota, a racial quota, but you could consider race with regard to all other kinds of factors. Uh, then, you know, Sandra Day O'Connor, when she became the centrist on the court, she said, well, you know, diversity in education is a compelling interest. But then you had this series of University of Texas cases and you had a change in the composition of the court. And they said, look, you got to apply strict scrutiny. What so you have to say this is the only way that you can get diversity. Now, I think what's going to happen is that they're either going to apply strict scrutiny and do what Liz is suggesting, which is say you can't use race at all because there are other alternative ways to get what you want to get. But, you know, yeah. that's so that is so incredibly dishonest. So you can have racial preferences. You can have reach out to racial minorities, but you just can't say you're doing it. You have to do that through other means where you don't say race. Instead, what you say is we take the top 10% of all the urban schools, right? Where you hope that you're going to get 
um, minority students. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this this court, a majority of this court, including the chief justice, is saying the way to end racial discrimination is to end racial discrimination. They really are against affirmative action. Well, we've got another case that actually that has already been argued, the Merrill versus Milligan case, the oh, uh, regarding Alabama's racial gerrymandering, right? So you've got uh, almost the complete gutting of the Voting Rights Act. We've got in Alabama, more than 25% of the population is black. Yeah. And in their gerrymandering, they've found what they put, put uh, one congressional district, one out of seven, where clearly under yeah. any math, even Vin's math, you would have at least two. <laughs> You'd have at least two, right? So this this case was already has been argued, right? There's almost nothing left of the Voting Rights Act if if the court finds that this is acceptable. Well, it's as with lots of things, it's even worse than that, David, because you had a three judge panel, federal district court panel, three judges. Two of them were appointed by Trump. They took a look at what the Alabama Republican Party had done in redistricting, and they said it's pretty clear that this is racist gerrymandering. You're packing as many black voters into one district, right, to give them that one district, and then you're spreading all the other bl uh, black voters all around so they, their votes are totally diluted. The three-judge uh, three district uh, panel said, look, we're stop you can't use this gerrymandering. It looks, smells, tastes, feels like it's racist. The Republican Party appeals to the United States Supreme Court for an emergency order. And, you know, in the shadow docket, which they don't have, the United States Supreme Court issues an emergency order overruling what the three judge district courts did and said, no, 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 no. What the Alabama Republican Party did, that that goes into effect. And if you want to complain about that, you got to come up to the court. Now the court has reversed instead of deciding whether or not what the Republican Party in Alabama did in their redistricting was racist. Now what they're saying is, can race even be considered to ensure some fairness and equity? Can And that's that's uh, section two of the Voting Rights Act. Can it even be considered to make sure that black voters are fairly represented in the redistricting? So, you know, they changed it from the lower court saying this looks, smells and tastes racist to, well, wait a minute, can you even fix it by considering race? to make things fair. Terrible. And, and of course, in that that shadow docket decision, they said that this this gerrymandering will stand until for the time being, right? That's until right. there's that's a decision right. otherwise right. by the Supreme Court. Yeah, and now, that's right. now this is the time for the decision otherwise. And right. so when you've got the Voting Rights Act, where you why would you not want to consider race when you're looking at application of the Voting Rights Act, when you're talking about intent in the legislature, this was the whole intent to 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 stop this. And I think Judge uh, Judge Justice Brown, Jackson, the new Justice Jackson, yeah, right, right. That's what she was saying. You want to be originalist, fine. 
You know what the original purpose of the Voting Rights Act was? To ameliorate all the problems, right? Because of the discrimination against blacks. Could we just have an aside and say that the whole fact that we're still battling over redistricting at the state and federal levels writ large is kind of a pathetic commentary on the state of small d democracy. We still can't get this right. Just say nothing of the Voting Rights Act in New York state itself. We are battling in court over the appropriateness of various different gerrymandered legislative and congressional lines. This the whole thing. And also to suggest, by the way, that a political process that draws lines, which is political inherently, that subsequently sets a political process in motion should be apolitical is ridiculous. Right. Ridiculous. Well, there is. Well, there's but we a- were making progress. So so Liz, the problem is that we were making progress. We had guidelines in place to That's right. try to make it right. fairer, to fight, to try to make it closer to one person, one vote to try. And so try. it was not it was not perfect, but we were moving towards That's in right. the direction of making it better. Now, now we're not. Now we're moving in the opposite direction. Well, we don't know that yet. We're assuming that the outcome of this case will be what we're expecting it to be. Well, I know which way we're moving, right? Uh, We're not moving towards we're not moving towards perfection. Uh, This case, you know, Vin was saying, well, these are close cases. If you look at the the uh, appellate court decision, this wasn't a close case. No, but this the appellate court was saying this was race-based. You were discriminating on the basis of race in creating this. But that, but that doesn't even seem to be the issue that the Supreme Court wants to talk about. They want to talk about whether or not race can be used even for ameliorative purposes. Yeah, I love, I, love, purposes. I love the fact that, that uh, the newest Supreme Court judge could Katanji Brown Jackson raised the issue yes. of, of you know putting putting back on some 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 of the other judges that say oh we got to look at the original intent of course this was the intent that's the whole purpose of this right yeah let's talk about the there's another case I think uh, Liz is alluding to the Moore uh, v yeah Harper the Moore case. v Harper the North Carolina case yeah the mm-hmm. North Carolina case about and and potentially could even be have further reaching uh issues depending on how the case is decided where they're saying that it's the state legislators that decide the federal elections right period period Period. and there's this is a scary case yeah liz you want to talk about that no (laughs) This whole conversation makes me want to lie down. I can't like it's exhausting. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Well, I think it's I mean, I I think you need to uh, buck up a little bit. I think it's important that we I think it's important that we talk about this case. Yes. I mean, it appears like boring when I'm saying, oh, state independent state legislative doctrine. But what it's going to do is it's going to take the the decision making out of the hands of the voters, out of the hands of the yeah. Uh, yeah. electoral college, and into the hands of the various state legislators to decide whatever they want, uh, regardless of what the vote is. And we saw how important and significant that was in the 2020 election 
that if this type of case takes hold and legislators can over mm-hmm. overturn what an electorate decides in a federal election could be disastrous consequences, not only for the state, but for the country. Yeah. So in, in North Carolina, where the voters are just about half and half Democrat yeah. and Republican, what happens is the Republican legislature redistricted the state so that uh, it would almost guarantee that there's going to be a disproportionate number of Republicans, right, being elected. Um, so what happens is the, the redistricting was challenged. It gets to the Supreme Court in the Rucho case a couple of years ago. And the Supreme Court says, you know, what us worry, you know, no standing. We don't know what the heck to do about this. There's no fair, no fair standard to apply. It goes back down to the North Carolina courts. The North Carolina courts, the appellate court and then the Supreme Court said, no, 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 no. This violates our state constitution. You may not be able to answer this uh, United States Supreme Court, but we in North Carolina can. And they said the way this has been redistricted violates free speech, violates equal protection, violates rights of association. You've got to make it much more fair. Now, the Republicans didn't like that. So now they're challenging it again. And the basis for their challenge is this so-called independent state legislature doctrine. (laughs) And in the independent state legislature- Which is in the constitution, right? Yes. Well, the the constitution doesn't say independent state legislature doctrine. Right. It says time, place, and manner, time, place, and manner shall be decided by the state legislature. It doesn't say, however, that you can violate free speech, equal protection, freedom of association, the right to vote by simply saying this is time, place, and manner, okay? But there are a number of justices and men and some very conservative right-wing groups that want this independent state legislature doctrine, which would mean that a state Supreme Court cannot even say to the state legislature, by the way, You're the ones that decide the redistricting. But when you do that, you cannot violate this right. You can't violate that right. You can't violate whatever other rights. I'm sorry. The legislature, you get to do whatever you want, period. And nobody else gets to say anything. Just just to bring this home, just for a minute, as we are having this discussion, I believe there is a debate occurring on redistricting in a courtroom in Saratoga right now. Right now. So the point of the matter is like a lot of this stuff, you know, I'm not the lawyer in the room, but a lot of this stuff. So I serve to sort of bring bring it down to a layman's level or whatever that means, whatever level I can understand, which is fairly low. But the, the point of the matter is that if this seems to be sort of like highfalutin, you know, esoteric conversation, it is not. It's this, not. Is, this is where the rubber hits the road in terms of your ability to be represented by the independent by the yes. individuals that you choose at the voting booth. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand this at all. In fact, you're probably better off understanding this if you're not a lawyer, because the lawyers oftentimes get all trapped in all this legalistic nonsense. The fact of the matter is that the legislatures around the country are redistricting their states in order to get a purely partisan advantage so that not so that it's fair to the voter, but that the incumbents or the correct party in power, they get to 
ensure that they are going to be reelected or they're going to be elected, even though the voters around the state, right, would choose a much different uh, sort of redistricting. I mean, that's just that's just basic fairness. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand that. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. <sighs> I know I'm it is exhausting, but exhausting. you know, this is this is what happens. This is what happens. You know. I guess the, but the real the the real issue is, and we're always going to come back here. What is there to do about it? Like, I just can't. I can't say, I'm sorry, what's occurring in Saratoga right now is a debate over absentee ballot reforms, not redistricting, but to me, they're sort of a piece of the same cloth, but not specifically about district lines. Anyway, because I checked myself just to be sure. We're always going to come back to the question of what is to be done about it? Yeah. Well, and there's the answer, a couple. There's okay, a couple, go ahead, David, because answer, I don't have an answer. Yeah, well, number one is to be informed about what's going on, right? So both, I think all right. three of us agree that we're talking about these esoteric, yep. legalistic issues, but they have real everyday meaning, and it's not always clear. And so one of the things we can do is talk about it like we are. And I, you know, hopefully get the word out so people understand what's going on. Then once you understand, make sure that you vote so that we have legislators that are not going to do something like this, that are not going to overturn what uh, uh, the, the electorate has has decided. Those are so the case things. doesn't get to the court to the, at the first place, because by the time it gets to the court, we're sunk. In 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 some instances, we are if it gets to the Supreme Court, potentially, the yes, court of its current makeup, the, the current Supreme Court. Yes. Right. But, you know, can we, can we talk know, about it, something lighter like animal rights? Let's you, well, the that. animal rights case is is for also depressing. But I know we like to talk about animals. There's a case of animals. National Pork Producers Council versus Ross, and it's about keeping pigs happy and and healthy. Um, it invokes the Commerce Clause, where California has said, if you're going to sell pork in our state, you've got to have the pig has to grow up in a cage that's at least 24 square feet. Right. And the the pork producers said, California shouldn't be telling us what to do. We're growing our pigs in Iowa or Nebraska or anywhere else. And so you violated the Commerce Clause. And because California is now imposing its laws on pork producers in other states. You know, I do have to say that this is not, and again, this is not, it's interesting that California has this one. We've, we've got one not similar and it's not at the Supreme Court, but you know, there was a foie gras ban. Now you may or may not know about foie gras, but it requires the force feeding of geese, which is, you know, people, many people believe is inhumane. And then subsequently, their liver gets very fatty, and you, and it's a delicacy. A the people or the geese? The geese. <laughs> the point. I the didn't point know there was a, there's a foie gras ban in New York. There's a foie gras ban. Well, there foie was gras. in New York, but it but it's not in New York City. But it won't go into effect on November 25th as it was supposed to because a lawsuit brought by two Hudson Valley farmers is winding its way through the legal system and a preliminary injunction on enforcing the law by the city is in place. And what do the farms cite? Economic hardship, yeah. which is exactly what we're seeing in the pork production is, case. Is the law against the force feeding or, or any? 
there the law is not it's not a law that bans the production of foie gras it's a, a law that bans the sale if i'm not mistaken in new york city yeah, any well, sale of course. even if it's from a, a duck that's just eating no duck casually. no duck voluntarily i know that there i know somebody will catch me on this there is a farmer somewhere who believes or who says that he has gotten to a point where he can convince the geese and ducks to force feed themselves. Like they eat themselves to the point where, but you really need, they need to overeat in a serious way in order for their liver to become as fatty as is required for a foie gras. But the point of the matter is this is not really, this is not sort of some like, oh, this is weird. It's a weird California thing. It is not. And there's a whole host of research that indicates that humane treatment of animals actually ends up with a better product for humans in terms of the quality of the meat. So even if you're a meat eater, you should care about this. And also if you care about animal rights and you know, you should care about this. I mean, just being decent human beings to other members of the animal kingdom that that are intelligent and really much more similar than dissimilar to us. It's always animals on the planet. By the yeah, way, yeah, absolutely. But is you the, know, look, is the fact that is the fact that is the fact that California is saying we're not going to allow this to be sold in our state is that violating the Commerce Clause? Well, that that's such an interesting thing, and it does get into legalistics. But I'll try to make it in such a way that even Liz will find it interesting. That's kind. Thank you. Okay, that's even kind. Liz will find it interesting. Okay, now. Well, what, what I will love about this is that the so-called states' rights justices, you know, the ones that, oh, leave it up to the states, leave it up to the states, they're probably going to be the ones that are going to vote against California and the hell with states' rights. With regard to the Commerce Clause, the Commerce Clause in the Constitution gives Congress the right to regulate commerce among mm-hmm. the states, Okay. Nothing in the Constitution literally prohibits the states from having regulations or laws that might inhibit interstate commerce. There's absolutely nothing in there. The Supreme Court came up with this and they they called it the dormant commerce clause. Dormant commerce clause, meaning it really ain't there. We just made it up. Right. But, Wait, but that the prohibits of this the case states. actually is not just impacting California. It would impact no, 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 of course. In the entire it is going to it is going to impact it. But there isn't any law coming out of Congress saying that California can't do this, because if if Congress said that, if Congress says this interferes too much with interstate commerce, we're not allowing it. Congress is allowed to do that under its Commerce Clause power. There is nothing right now, either literally in the Constitution or in federal law that prohibits California from doing this. So what the court's going to have to say is that California, by doing this, you're interfering too much with interstate commerce. And even though the Constitution itself doesn't really prohibit you from doing that, we're going to tell you under this doctrine that we made up, the Dormant Commerce Clause, you're not allowed to do it. Can I just note, by the way, which is so fascinating in the oral arguments which came up here, if they felt like banning all pork products, they could do that legally in California. They could say, you know what? 
screw you. We you don't want to you don't want to adhere to our rules in terms of what we consider to be humanely raised pork. Yeah. You can't no pork, no pork for you anywhere in California. Problem is that Californians buy about 13% of the pork, period, that's sold in in America. And that would be a significant problem. So you would well, that's, a, that's actually a very good argument on behalf of California. We, California, could actually ban pork completely. Yeah. Right? Since we could ban it completely, aren't we allowed to at least put some restrictions Well, that's what on they're it? saying, right? Yeah. So that's what they're saying. No, no one is saying that a ban would be constitutional. So why can you altogether ban a product and effectively say farmers who are outside of our state are deprived of That's the right. market yeah, in our yeah. state, but we can't enact a less strict regulation that permits you to sell your product just within some parameters that we're setting for you. Like for example, we don't allow DDT to be used in the pesticides right. on our right. apples or what have you. Right, and, and California, California is doing this for humane reasons. It's not doing this for protectionist reasons, right? It's not doing, it's not like saying, hmm, this is what California pig growers do. So we're going to make everybody else do that. So that really, you know, that's going to protect. No, but Justice Kagan, that's, it's interesting that you say that because the the liberal justices raise the possibility of a slippery slope, which is that you establish a precedent, which of course we know that this court doesn't adhere to anyway. So maybe we shouldn't be worried about it, but such that you could say, well, we also are going to ban products that are not made by unions, for yeah. example, right? Non-union labor, we, whatever it is that you decide to put all these parameters on, you know, could be a problem if we go down this road, right? Or if you say, which is another problem that we've had, but this is not similar, not, not necessarily an apples to apples comparison or pigs to pigs as, we, as we're having this discussion about pigs, but the idea that, well, we don't like your labor practices or we don't like your hiring practices or we don't like your diversity or lack thereof of your company. And so there, therefore, you can't sell your products within our state. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, slippery slope, virtually all these cases are about matters of degree. They're virtually all matters. You know, that's what judges get paid for, for crying out loud. Exercise whatever wisdom you have. and judgment ability you have to come up with a resolution that makes some sense you know so so we've we've discussed there's a lot of important cases this term in the supreme court Uh, Mm -hmm. as i think you both noticed some of them are uh depressing us a little bit and the potential outcomes oh name one that's uplifting you david i i'll wait uh oh all right well you can wait Uh, there is one that's (laughs) uplifting me there's and uh, so there's uh a parody case, uh, Novak oh, versus parody. City of Parody, 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 City of Parma, um, and someone who wrote something on Facebook that was uh, intended to be a parody. It was banned. Oh, it is a parody. It's gone up to the Supreme Court, and I tell you this: the Onion newspaper filed an amicus, and I which was it. a parody. That and, uh, is crazy. That's like so, that's like art. What is it? What's it? Art creating what? What art imitating life? Life imitating art. And you should read it. And you should read it. And you should read it. Be reminded why we need parody. 
because sometimes things are so unreal in life that you need parity just to shed some light on how crazy some things are. So yeah, there and you of go. course, the United v. Parma. Yeah, the United States Supreme Court has protected parity previously as being a First Amendment right. Remember the one with Jerry Falwell supposedly having sex with his mother. But of course, what they said was not. Why only do you always parody, have to bring that one up? Why is that? But that, why is that's that the way you always have to go to? Why do you always have to? You don't have to keep bringing it up, though. Poor Jerry Falwell. <laughs> I think it's the first time I ever mentioned it on this I show. I can't recall him ever mentioning it either. <laughs> Every time. But the, Every time. But We're going to do, do a montage. The, the Supreme Court, speaking through William Rehnquist, said, look, parody has been part of American political expression from the beginning. And number two, every reasonable person knew this was a parody. Ah, right? And I think, I think that's what the issue is. In this case, that's before the court now. Was it pretty? Was it clear? Would reasonable people know it's a parody, or was there actually some intention, or they didn't care whether or not people took it seriously? Just and I think those are going to be issues. Then, to be clear, increasingly things that the Onion wrote in the not oh, distant past that we all thought were parody turned out to be true. And also the War of the Worlds was not a parody, but yeah. a joke if you, or whatever you would call it, a spoof, it's not, it seems too lighthearted, but the point is people thought it was real. People also thought that the story about spaghetti growing on trees is real. So, you know, eh. It, 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 how is it that you can legislate or 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 make a decision, a judicial decision, re, a reasonable decision about the reasonable person understanding parody and being able to determine truth from fiction when truth and fiction are so well? The Onion actually, in, in their brief, talks about that because there's there was some discussion as to whether if it's a parody, it should be labeled as a parody, and the Onion says that takes it away. That takes. Yeah. That takes the joke away. The whole point is that you look at it, you think it might be real, and then you realize the joke's on you because it's not. And you, if you have to make it obvious that it's a parody, then it no longer has the same effect. This is like warnings. The coffee that you are about to consume is going to be hot. Please don't put it on your lap as you drive 90 miles an hour or what have you. It's exactly like that. Now, Parody what is David like hot said coffee. is absolutely true. The reasonable, the reasonable person, even if the reasonable person at first blush says, boy, this might be true, then very shortly thereafter says, oh, well, of course, this is parody. Yeah, I think, I think that I the th question now we have to have a whole show about the reasonable person standard because that's been oh, a Lord. shifting target for some I, time. Maybe we should do a parody show. The whole show will just be a parody, parody. A parody of a parody of Miranda warnings. No, that's just pretty good, Liz. Don't be downplaying this round table. I think we cover some really good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the pig, the, the pig loving audience is gonna be upset though. They're gonna rise up and why arms. are they gonna be upset? Yeah. I'm for California in this one. Okay. I was also for, for Rowan for, Wilson's I'm dissent in the, the freedom of geese to make decisions about how slender or fat they should be. And I consider myself a friend of pigs. <laughs> David Miranda, friend of pigs, Esquire. Hey, pigs are smarter than lots of people I know. 
Yes, P.S. There is data that shows that a pig actually is as smart or smarter than your average human three-year-old. There you well, go. Well, we were talking about the Happy the Elephant case in the past. Pigs, who's smarter, pigs or elephants? Oh, this is hard. We'll have to, maybe we'll save that one for another day. Yeah. We'll have the pig the elephant. That's a good The intelligence of pigs comparable to elephants and dolphins. In a study conducted at the University of Cambridge, it was found that pigs are intelligent beings capable of recognizing themselves in a mirror and can quickly learn objects that were shown in the reflections. Wow. All right. Pigs. Pigs can also be potty trained. One one for pigs. Not so sure about elephants. Or dolphins. (laughs) That's a good place to leave it, right there. That's perfect. Liz and Finn, thank you for the SCOTUS preview on Miranda Warnings. Thank you both very much. This was enlightening and fun. This has been Miranda Warnings, a New York State Bar Association podcast. You have the right to subscribe, rate, and review.